0: Good morning. We are so thankful that you chose to join with us on Easter Sunday morning. What an odd Easter it is. I'm so thankful, though, that we get to worship our Savior right in our homes. As much as I would love to be in the church with you, I love that we can teach our kids that worship begins truly in our home and in our own lives. I want to just tell you this morning that we are going to do communion in just a little bit. So even though we don't have the little cups and crackers that we usually provide at church, I just want to encourage you to go get some water, some juice, some crackers, some bread, whatever it is that you have in your home, and um, be prepared to do that with us just in a little bit. We're getting ready to worship. Go ahead and stand up with us and worship our Savior right in your own homes. We are so glad that you are here. Welcome to church.
1: Good morning, Cornerstone Worship Center. Happy Resurrection Day. I hope that you're joining us at home and worship on our online service this morning and giving the Lord praise. Just stand and worship together today.
2: Well, I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I made you. Well,
3: I was breathing but night. The life, in all my failures I tried to hide, it was my turn, till I met you.
1: You are worthy to be praised, Lord Jesus. We honor our resurrected king today. God, we love you. We love you, Lord.
3: Yeah. Hey. I know that's where you'll be I've the joy come every night Cause I know that's where you'll be i got the joy come every night Cause I know that's
2: where you'll be Oh, we just worship you God, we just worship, God, what you've done for us. This day is all about the sacrifice. And God also, not just the sacrifice, but the resurrecting power. God, we have hope, not not necessarily because you died. We have hope because you live. God, we have life because you overcame the grave. You overcame death, and we live victoriously in you, God. God, we thank you that three days after you died for us, that God, you rose and now reign and live in us. We just worship you, God. We glorify you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I just want to get into his word this morning, and I'm going to ask if you guys will still stay up here with me, grab some seats around, practice about six feet apart though, maybe a little social distancing, and it is good to be with you this morning, let me move this over here, it's good to be with you this morning. And I trust that right where you are, that, that you're just worshiping with him, with us. You're worshiping him. This is, this is different as when we we're planning Easter services, this is not what we had in mind. I'm sure when you're picking out your outfits for Easter, what you're wearing right now probably isn't what you had in mind either. There'll be some of you that are in your newest pajamas at, at your spots and just, but the big thing is we're worshiping him. And um, there, there's there been a verse that, man, y'all are really distancing from me, aren't you? My goodness, <laughs> it's gotten worse. Y'all have spread. Y'all could come in a little bit. I mean, man, I feel all alone. Just looked over, y'all. Y'all screwed it way back. There's been a verse, especially during, that I found myself going to in times of of hard times. Do, do any of y'all, do y'all have go-to verses? That you just kind of go to. It, when When trouble hits, you've memorized a few, and it's your big ones that, you know, whether it's the, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me or, or something but you have a go-to verse my go-to whenever there is um, difficulties that I'm facing trials I'm facing just just things and I don't don't understand Romans 8:28 is my go-to verse I quote it all the time if you don't don't know it Romans 8:28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's my go-to. Because I've just got to trust that some way, somehow, it's going to work out to the good. I, I, I don't know how. You know, it, notice Paul doesn't say, and we know How? All things work to the good. It's he doesn't say that. He just says, "And we know all things work together for the good to those who love God. All things work together for the good to those who love God." And and what I was thinking was really, and, and trust me, I'll get into this and make it an Easter message. We'll we'll get we'll get there, but. Well, I was thinking, especially times like this, how far can you take a verse like this? In other words, when Paul said, and we know all things work to the good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose, and we know that all things work together. All things work. Did Paul really mean all things? And really, when you think about it, because when I quote something like this, a lot of times when, when we end up wanting to quote this is when something good happens in our lives. I mean, when I just get a raise, that's the perfect time to quote. And we know all things work together for the good. Well, I just get a promotion, and we know all things work together for the good. When the stock market's climbing, and we know all things work together for the... When you get that deal, you know that you... Oh, that's just... That's because all things work together for the good. Yeah, I mean... I want to quote it at those times, but Paul said all things. He didn't say, and we know good things work together for the good. He didn't say say that just the great things that happen in your life, he said all things. So, So when he said all things, how far can we really go with this? Does all things mean pandemics? Does all things mean stock market crash? Does all things mean we can't be at church on Easter. Well, I don't know how that can be good, Pastor. I don't know how that can work. I, I don't either, but but I know all things work together for the good. So does all things really mean a tragedy, too? Not Not just your triumphs in life. Does all things actually mean your tragedies also in life? Does it also mean a, the bad stuff that takes place, not not just the good things, but the, the bad also. Because here's what I've learned. Everybody faces tragedies. I mean Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have. He didn't say there's a chance. He he declared it in this world which we're in, you will have, you will, <laughs> you not some people will you will have trouble. everybody faces tragedies, everybody faces difficulties and I've learned I've learned that that in all those bad things that happen that we also carry symbolisms of those things. we really do I mean it, it could be it, it could be um The pink slip that you see when you get let go or laid off. And that's your symbolism of it. It it could be, um, you know, a a paper, a letter someone wrote, and it symbolizes the friendship that, that no longer is. A song playing on the radio that all of a sudden it used to be a good song, but now it reminds you of something... From, from your past and it now becomes that symbol of not hope but a symbol of hurt and pain I've learned I've learned we carry symbolisms of our tragedies with us so so the question is how how far can you go with this and we know that in all things in other words and we know that in hurt and, and we know that in in pain and we know that in termination and, and in, we know that in sickness that that it all works together for the good. Can you really take that scripture at heart? And, and, I, and I think the reason I, I, I want to bring this to Easter is because I think that is the symbolism of Easter. It really is. If you just look at the Easter story from John's perspective, you'll see a tragedy that takes place, a symbolism from that tragedy, and that symbolism becomes a triumph in his life because because. He, he found out that God works all things for the good. Watch this. In in, in John, as he tells the Easter story in his gospel, and in John chapter 19 and in verse 38, it, it starts off, this is after he's died, that Jesus has died, and they've taken him down from the cross. And, and it says... In in verse 38, after this, Joseph of of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and, and bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is John's writing this picture of this horrific tragedy, no hope left event in his life. And, and and there's something that catches me off off on this because as he's writing this, he's he's saying look uh, about the the tomb that was borrowed, he he that that and the permission that was given. He 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 mentions Nicodemus coming and and Nicodemus bringing the the spices and the myrrhs and all all that, and, and he mentions the amount and that's significant because because the amount that was given was the amount that, that's used to, to, to bury, that, that's fit for a king, the burial of a king. But John mentions something, and I find it strange, because I get why he would mention uh, the, the mixture of the myrrh and the aloes. I, I get why he would say the amount, because of the significance of it. But he mentions something, he says, and they bound in the body in strips of linen. And that caught me off. Because who mentions grave clothes? Who mentions the grave clothes? I mean, there's no real significance there. It's, it's just, it's, it's grave clothes. But, but to John, it was the symbolism. It was the symbolism of it's over. It was the symbolism of my hope is done. Uh, and, and and really think about it. Could there be a greater tragedy for John than to Jesus being dead? Because because for three years he has given his life for him. He has followed him. He's given up his profession as a fisherman. He's left his family. He's left it all. He's abandoned everything. He's followed Jesus. And now he's watching as Jesus is being laid in a tomb that that and, and he mentions grave clothes because, because this grave clothes really represents the hope is gone at that moment. In other words, you see, as long as there's no grave clothes, there's some hope. But but the 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 coming of the Burial, the, the grave clothes around him, it represents it's all done. So now there is no hope whatsoever. It represents the greatest tragedy, and those grave clothes becomes that symbolism of that tragedy in his life. It's over. What do I do now? That's why it catches me where I find it interesting because of what happened to john on friday jesus is dead and john's with him the whole time he sees him take his last breath on the cross he now has watched him be buried in the tomb at kind of odd uh, what he did Saturday that's what really catches me off and I know I, I know I'm not gonna blow your your mind blow you know I mean it, it's not you can search and you can look all throughout the text and we don't know what they did Saturday. Saturday's not mentioned. Saturday, Saturday isn't mentioned anywhere. But it catches me off guard a little bit what he did Saturday. Because all we know is this. We do know this. He was there when he died Friday. And he was there when he rose Sunday. Why didn't he leave Saturday? It just makes sense to me that he would have left. What does he have to stay for? It's over. I mean, I would have just pictured, I would have thought that John would have head out of town. He doesn't. He didn't know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. He mentions in his own gospel and in John 20 and verse 9, that, that they had no idea. Even though Jesus had, had, had prophesied about spoke about it, that he would, it, it just kind of went through their mind. They had no clue. They weren't expecting him. So, it, so I find it odd, since they had no idea, and they didn't expect him to rise from the dead, I find it odd that he didn't head out of town on Saturday. I would have I mean they just killed his his master his teacher, his rabbi the one he's following and it, it went off with a huge success by the way I mean the crowds were cheering crucifying they stuck around for the show I would just think if I was the disciple, I would have left, I would have ran, I would have got out there. Because who knows, if they killed him, what would stop them from coming after me next? So I find it odd that he left. I find it odd that he stayed close enough by that not only was he at the tomb when he was buried on Friday, but when Mary Magdalene found the empty tomb on Sunday, he was just a short run away from it still. So I find it odd that he stayed. But but then I don't because the more I, I look at John, it's what John always did. John was always close to Jesus. He was always close by. He stayed close to Him. It was John who was on his chest in the in the at the Last Supper laying on him it was it was John that was just with him as he's praying at the Garden of Gethsemane it was John the only one who is at the foot of the cross as he's dying. And he speaks to his mom, Mary, and says, look, this is now your son. And speaks to John, look, you need to take care of my mama." It's John who's that close. And now it's John that, that now... That after he's died, that is still close. Why? Because that's what John did. John stayed close by, even when I don't understand it. Even when he don't agree with it. And I'm sure John would say, I didn't like that he died. I didn't understand why he died. I didn't get why he died. I didn't understand why I went through this. But do I leave him? No. Even if he's dead and buried, I'm staying close by because that's what John did. But, but watch. It's because John stayed close by on Friday and Saturday when there's no hope that he was able to see the miracle On Sunday. So. Here's the question. What about you? When tragedy hits your life. And you don't know. What you'll do. And I don't understand it. And why are we going through this? And it feels like God left me. And God rejected me at this moment. Things were going fine, and I don't understand. What do you do when you're in between your Friday tragedy and your Sunday miracle? What do you do? What do you do? How do you respond when you're in between your Friday tragedy? And your Sunday miracle? Do you run? Are you like Thomas, maybe? That disciple—they—they ain't they find him for days. You—you you like Judas? I'm done. Or or do you stick by? do, do you stay close? that's where it counts it's those who stay close john john stayed close he he lingered around he he stayed because he loved him in fact i I like how john i love how john as he's writing the gospel of john he always refers to himself not as john He refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. There was that relationship there. He knew. I love him. So because I love him, I'm not leaving him. And and watch, because he didn't leave him, this is what he experienced Sunday. Because John writes this, and I want you to catch this. Remember, remember, it was the grave clothes that represented that tragedy in his life. He mentions it like why do you mention the grave clothes? And he mentions it at the burial. Watch watch as he describes this, this moment in John 20. He says now, now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon, Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, John. And said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter then four went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. This is how you know John wrote it. This is how you know this is John's story. More than anything, because this is a typical guy, because it says they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter. That's how you know John wrote it. If someone else wrote that, that doesn't get mentioned. If I beat somebody in a race, I'm sticking it in there any chance I get. That's how you know John wrote it. He outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he's stooping down and looking in. Look, watch. Saw the linen cloths lying there. Yeah, he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, John, went in also and he saw and believed. I love that. He saw and believed. He, he saw. Look he, he, I want you to get this picture. He's, he's there. It's Sunday morning. Mary Magdalene comes running. They've taken they've taken Jesus' body. And I don't know where he's where they've taken him to and and Simon and and John dart out the door. But John beats him. Because he's faster and more fit. He's younger. He's you know, won't let won't ever let Peter live that down. For all eternity it's in there. I beat you in that race. He gets to the tomb he beats Peter he gets to the tomb and it says he, he stops at the tomb he looks in and what he sees so shocks him that he just freezes at that moment he doesn't even go in he just stands there in awe Peter comes in and finally he gets there and he, he goes walking around and looking around and, and then finally John builds up the courage, and he walks in, gets a better look, and it says he saw and believed. What did he see? He saw grave clothes. That's, that's what, he didn't see a, a risen body of Jesus and believed. He saw grave clothes lying. He saw the very thing that on Friday represented a loss of hope. It's over. On Friday, it's the grave clothes he points out that all hope's gone and now I'll never be the same again. It's over. It's done with. My Savior is dead. The one that I was following, the one that I put all my hope in, it's over, it's done with. That's the tragedy. He sees grave clothes at that moment and it becomes a tragedy in his life. But what he sees on Sunday is the very thing that now, once represented no hope, now represents hope in Christ. It now has a new meaning to it. I'll tell you, that's the great thing about God. He has an ability to take the symbolism in your life that represents the worst moments the pain the sorrow i'll never get over this but god takes it and turns it into something awesome that now it represents a triumph in my life it represents hope in my life it represents peace in my life it represents love it's what god does That amazes me, but it's what God always does. I mean, it's in, think about it, it's in his hands that when they presented empty wine jugs to him at a wedding that just looked like the party's over and it's all done with, in his hands he took empty wine jugs and now it symbolizes a a just power of who he is it, it, he takes he takes a, a small mite, just a, a coin in a widow's hand that looks like nothing. Uh, but but now now because because of Christ coming in, it represents. It's a symbol of generosity. It's in his hands. He's able to take a cross. Come on now. A symbolism of death. A a tool for torture. A death penalty, a thing that represented the worst of humanity. He takes a cross, but in His hands, it now symbolizes love and devotion like never before. He has a great ability, so is it any wonder that He took grave clothes that symbolized death, and now it symbolizes life and hope. It's what He does, and He'll do the same for you. He'll take those things in your life, and turn them into a symbolism of hope but only if you do what John did and that is stay to watch. You've got to stay. Paul wrote and we know all things work together for the good. we want to stop but if we finish it and we know all things work together for the good to those who love God I believe this wholeheartedly all things represent even the worst in your life stay when it doesn't look like you should in other words what are you doing right now in this, in this tragedy that, that some of us are living in right now in this pan, pandemic that's around us and it feels like the world is turned upside down what do you do Do I leave him because I don't understand it? Do I blame God? It's all his fault. He allowed it to happen. Or do I just say, I don't don't get it. But I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And listen, because if you don't leave if you don't leave on Saturday you'll experience the miracle of Sunday can we come back up and worship listen I want to take this this one thought Paul where he says in all things God works together for the good to those who love him. You know, just right where you're at will you do something? Will you take that phrase all things and will you replace it with what really represents the tragedy in your life, that symbol? Will you you take that and will you read it that way? In other words, for John, he would read it saying, and we know that in grave clothes or in death, God works together for the good to those who love him. For you, it might mean it might read, uh, and we know that in scars, God works together for the good. For for you, it might it might read, and we know that in in divorce papers, or we know in cancer that God works together for the we know in sickness God works together for the good I don't know what yours reads but will you have enough faith to read it that way and just say say it right where you're at just say and I know Come on, be, be like Paul I know I'm not doubting this and I know That in my greatest sorrow, somehow, some way, I don't know how, God works together for the good to those who love Him. Now let's love Him, put everything aside. We just invite him into your heart. Say, dear Jesus. I don't know why I've gone through what I've gone through. But I'm not leaving you. And I'm trusting in you that somehow, some way. You'll work it in my favor because I know that all things good or bad work together for the good. So God, we praise you right now and we glorify you for who you are Our King. Let's worship.
1: whisper.
2: we want to celebrate Easter together and receiving the Lord's Supper so at this time whatever you have at your house um, receive it get it ready and, and let's prepare our hearts before we receive of communion just so where you're at just ask God oh, if there's anything inside if there's anything it shouldn't be just, just remove it from me. I want to be um, I want to be worthy to receive your, your Supper so, right now, we're just asking that. Father, we just ask that, that God, if there's anything inside of us that shouldn't be, that God, that you just remove If there's any bitterness, if there's any unforgiveness, that God, uh, God we don't want anything to stand between us and, and you. So, so, God, I ask that you would just wash us clean right now, that we receive in a you know, worthy manner your blood and your body. We thank you. Paul said in, in first Corinthians as he is speaking in the church in Corinth, he said, I, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're gonna receive the bread this morning. And let's just, just thank him for his sacrifice. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your body that was broken for us. God, you allowed yourself to be broken so that we could be made home. God, God, so this, this bread that represents you, God, we receive it unto us. God, we receive it fully. God, for your sacrifice that was made for our sins. God, we thank you for it so that we could have life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive of the bread.
0: It goes on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, eat this bread drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blood. We thank you, God, for all of the blood represents. God, we thank you that you wash our sins away and that you also wash away illnesses and diseases. God, your blood is powerful. And we just proclaim that over our lives right now, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on that Easter Sunday, on the sacrifice that you make for us continuously. Lord Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We honor you, Lord, this morning in your precious name. Amen. Let's drink. Glory.
2: Can we just worship him and thank him? Right where our tithes and our offering, but before we do, I, I know there's some that's watching online that you don't have that hope because you don't know Christ, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to have a relationship with Him. So if that's you and just say I I need Jesus in my life. I need hope in my life. I need that peace in my life. I I need him. Right where you're at, will you just just say this prayer? Just say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've failed. And God, I need you. So I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And be Lord of my life, God. I choose this day to serve you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name amen and right now what happens God has come in and he's washed away all your sins he's washed away everything you'll feel a weight lifted off of you and you'll feel a new hope living inside of you that's only what he can do now I want to give you an opportunity I want to just bless you this morning, and I want to proclaim a blessing over your life as you give to him of your tithes and your offerings. And 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 there's many ways you can give. You can text. You can give online. You can um, you mail in. However it is, but but will you just give to him this morning? And I just want to declare this blessing over your life. I proclaim over you this morning, as a tithing Christian, the blessings of our faithful and loving Heavenly Father. As a tither, you're not limited to the ups and downs of the economy of this world system because the Scriptures declare that the blessings of Abraham are upon us and have set us apart and make us to prosper in all situations, whether they're favorable or unfavorable. So as the heavens are open over this church and this congregation, I speak this blessing over you. I call forth jobs for the unemployed, meaningful jobs with good paying benefits, things that have been held up in the court, such as your inheritance, godly settlements, and other legal matters be settled. In Jesus' name, so you may have what is rightfully yours without any further delay. Those of you who earn your living as entrepreneurs or those of you who work in sales and commissions, I speak that God's favor be upon you so that deals and opportunities to excel will come your way. I call forth raises and bonuses to those who need them. I speak that you find money unexpectedly. And the unexpected checks come in the mail right out of nowhere as a gift from heaven just for you. I speak the word increase over you. I speak abundance to overtake you. Such abundance, you miraculously come out of debt. So that the stress of those debts release your minds and that God's peace will return to you quickly. I now release God's blessings to go forth for you and your family. Because this is your covenant blessing. I bless you in Jesus' holy name. And right where you are, in just agreement, we just say amen. And then give to him. And let's sing that again. Let's just worship him and sing that hallelujah part. Hallelujah.